Jargon. Whopper. Rain. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is science news. Okay, this is from osu.edu. And I... Okay, my husband sent me this story, and I was like, I have to talk about this on our podcast, because this is super important and relevant to what we do on this podcast. Okay. Okay? It's like a little meta. So the headline (laughs) is, the use of jargon kills people's interest in science and politics. Uh Uh-oh. Are we doing a bad job? I don't know. That's for us to decide. Are we killing people's interest? Let me me, uh, explain what the research was. So... When scientists and others use their specialized jargon terms, also, before I get into this, I used to think that the word jargon already had a negative connotation to it. Does it? Or did I just think that? I don't know. I guess it kind of does. As I, I feel like it is kind of like, oh, you're using words that like common people don't understand. That like, people don't, or like that someone doesn't understand right. would be considered like jargon. Yeah, right? I guess common people isn't the right <laughs> These are words for the proletariat. Wait, no. Bourgeois? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't don't know the jargon. I don't know that jargon, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I always thought that the word jargon had like a negative connotation to it, but in this article it was very neutrally used, so I just want to state that before I get into it. I think it does have also a specific meaning, like regardless of connotation. Like I don't think there's another word that means jargon that like can be put as succinctly as jargon. Okay, Saying jargon a lot now, and I don't care for it. I'm gonna about to say jargon a lot, so okay. I'm glad Ooh. we talked about it first. Okay, um, so when scientists and others use their specialized jargon terms while communicating with the general public, the effects are much worse than just making what they're saying hard to understand, according to this new research. Mm-hmm. In a new study, people exposed to jargon when reading about subjects like self-driving cars and surgical robots later said they were less interested in science than others who read about the same topics, but without the use of specialized terms. Did they say I, what kind and, of, okay. So they, yes. they, they say like what kind of questions they asked them to determine yes. that they were less interested. Okay. Yes. Is so I will like, go in, you like this science the now? <laughs> and I'm then gonna, they, and then they read the articles like, how about now? <laughs> They give they give them an article about the like dogs dog robots. Now do you like science? No. Oh my man, the jargon oh, wow. really. The jargon really did it. Uh, okay. So th- this is just kind of like the overview paragraph, but uh-huh. the the main finding here was that it made no difference if the jargon terms were defined in the text. That was like the big kind of like surprising finding of this study. That's that, just like, more reading. They compared. <laughs> Yeah, when when the terms were defined, readers felt just as disengaged as readers who read the jargon that wasn't explained. Isn't that interesting? Then what are we supposed to do about this? Right? Okay, so well, well it kind of Sorry. Does, but, so I'm going to <laughs> I just so, keep asking questions that I'm sure According later. to the the lead author of the study, Hillary Shulman, the problem is that the mere presence of jargon sends a discouraging message to readers. The use of difficult specialized words are a signal that tells people they don't belong. You can tell them what the terms mean, but it doesn't matter. They already feel like this message isn't for them if they don't just like hmm. inherently understand the words, which I just thought was an interesting like psychology yeah. thing. Um, so this new study is actually the latest in a series by Shulman and her colleagues to show how complex language in politics as well as science can lead people to tune out of like what's being stated basically. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're doing like a bunch of studies that look at both science and politics and like complex concepts. Um, 
So in this particular study, participants read a paragraph about each of three science and technology topics, which were self-driving cars, surgical robots, and 3D bioprinting. All things we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, I think all of them probably multiple times, actually, yeah, at this point. I was like, oh, okay. So then that... Um, Half of them read versions of the paragraphs with no jargon and half read versions with jargon. So when I say no jargon, I mean they like replaced those like specialized terms with like, like common common phrases word words, phrases yeah. equivalent. Yeah. Makes sense. So okay, and they gave an example here. So one example was um this sentence. This system works because of AI integration through motion scaling and tremor reduction. And the no jargon version said, this system works because of programming that makes the robot's movements more precise and less shaky. So they just like replaced words with simpler words, basically. Yeah. Um, so half the people who read the high jargon version were also offered the opportunity to see the jargon terms defined using the exact language used in the no jargon like sentences. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good control. <laughs> right? So like... That's what they did. And the participants that had access to the definitions of the thing with the same exact like language still were like discouraged by reading the sentences. That is that's wild to me. I know. Was there um, anything in the study about listening to people use jargon and define? No, it was only reading. Okay. <laughs> so we <laughs> maybe this doesn't apply to us, <laughs> but it made me kind of just think about things yeah. in a different way. And um um, they asked the people, like after they had read the stuff, they they saw that the okay, so they didn't actually say the exact questions that were asked. I'm sure that you could find that in the actual like published study, but the the people that were exposed to the jargon said things like, "I'm not really good at science," or "I'm not interested in learning about science." Like more often in the survey results afterwards, mm-hmm. and the people that read the no jargon versions felt more empowered and were more likely to say. That like they liked science or they they um, considered themselves knowledgeable about science, and this is like a random randomized trial, right? And it was over six hundred people, by the way, that participated. That's a good size too. Yeah, man. Um, so real, okay. sounds like a really well and that, well done study. Yeah, it do, right. <laughs> and then on top of that, the, this same group of researchers actually um, did an earlier study with, I guess, these same participants, or it was probably like part of the same study, but they just published it separately. That actually found that the the group of people reading the like jargon <laughs> sentences it that could actually cause them to not believe the science also like it could it like it caused them to be more like questioning of the like hmm. veracity of the actual science which is a, a wow. further dark thing say, it's like if that okay, doesn't explain so, explain a lot of things <laughs> so basically yeah so the lead author is just saying like okay so the point of why they're doing this is they want to spread this message that if you are a scientist and you're talking about things like climate change or vaccines or anything that's like kind of complicated, part of the reason that like like people actually might not be they're like psychologically affected by the words that are being used when the things are being explained. <laughs> like and I was just I was like reading this and I'm just like, oh yeah. I just I just I don't know. It's so weird to me i'm like I, i'm just wondering like the people that listen to this do they ever feel that way like i don't know i was, I was and i'm like thinking back i know there's definitely been times where i encountered a term that i wasn't familiar with so i went and looked up a definition of it but i'm sure there's been times also when i've talked about things using jargon that i'm familiar with but like not everyone is 
I'm sure I have so, done and, that and I too. Think it's, I feel like I'm in, I've got like a list building in my head of reasons why this is difficult to do. One, I, if you're familiar with something, you're not going to think, oh, I need to explain this to other people. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, it's really difficult a lot of times to re-explain things in a non-jargony way because a lot of times jargon is designed to make communicating those things easier with people who are familiar with the jargon. Because like, yes. y- you are able to describe a specific thing because you have the specific term for it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's like words that are more that is more specific. Exactly what you're saying. Like right. They're they're more um, precise mm-hmm. and meaning what you're actually talking about. Like exactly. And some of the other, I guess you could call it simple, but not necessarily simpler words, but more like common, mm-hmm. you commonly used words. When you use those to describe the thing, there might be like something that that word is like some connotation it's missing, or maybe something that doesn't exactly really, I don't know, right. like give you the exact meaning of what you're trying to say. Exactly. Um, but then, and then the other thing is, I feel like it's really hard to do this without dumbing it down to the point where it feels insulting. I feel like there's a fine balance between insulting somebody's intelligence one way versus the other. Like, oh, I don't think you understand these terms, so I'm going to explain them to you so simply versus I'm explaining these terms in a very complex way and you just don't understand. Like, it's, I think there's a really difficult balance to achieve there. And that's probably why this is such a problem. Yeah. I mean, like how, like I read this and I think like, well, what are, are we supposed to like replace words in things that are like, and that's really uh, difficult to to do on the fly too. If you're just having a conversation with somebody, your brain isn't going to be thinking, Oh, I need to substitute this. No. Yeah. That's something you have to like very, carefully and intentionally plan i would say like if it's mm-hmm. just the way you are talking about the thing like, right. how are you supposed to do it? it's like impossible yeah oh it that but this is like a problem though i mean it's like all these mm-hmm. i mean you know like, there's like all these things going on that like are really important and i think there's people out there trying to get the message out to like the general public about like hey this thing is happening but but maybe, they, they see all these this like jargon yeah for, for lack of a better term which is wow the entire problem uh but jargon and they just either disconnect or worse like go negative on it like yeah. actually think it's wrong or they're being lied to it's which terrible is just really really upsetting <laughs> and it's like for a lot of reasons and i feel like it's a sub i mean it seems like it's just a subconscious thing like people aren't yeah. like consciously thinking that word was complicated. Yeah. I now I'm not going to believe right. it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it's like, a subcon it's like a psychological <laughs> reaction to mm-hmm. this stuff. So <laughs> I don't I oh. yeah, I just I thought this was very relevant to yeah. us and I thought we sh- could talk about it and I don't know what I would necessarily change, but that Right. Maybe I'm just <sighs> maybe I just need to be more proactive about like thinking when I'm like like finding articles and writing up notes for this like if I encounter a word that I know but might not necessarily be common I need to start looking for maybe or maybe we don't have to do anything and maybe, or maybe we're we should fine. not change at all maybe we should just keep doing what we're doing yeah I, I didn't let's be honest that's more likely to <laughs> I didn't want to like bring this and then be like we have to change everything or anything like that <laughs> I just thought it was a good discussion to have maybe and like I thought I don't know our listeners would be interested in that <laughs> like hey if you if you feel like we're talking about stuff and you're you're just like 
getting disengaged immediately with it. Maybe it's just the jargon we're using. Like, yeah, maybe just we're let, jargoning. Like, let us know that, you know. Also, maybe that, just be like, you're, like if you start telling us, just, like, you're, uh, you're using too much jargon, <laughs> now we'll know, like, what that means, right? <laughs> because before today, if someone had told me that, I would have been like, I don't know what you mean by that feedback. <laughs> now I'm acutely aware. Well, my first story is food news. <laughs> This is from Cosmopolitan. <laughs> is there uh, how? What is the on the jargon scale of your next story, Anthony? Is it pretty low on the it's jargon inc- scale? It's incredibly low. <laughs> perhaps okay. it perhaps more leading towards the insulting end of the spectrum. <laughs> uh, the headline is just following that story with this is ridiculous. Burger King will let you trade a photo of your ex for a free Whopper this Valentine's Day. <laughs> Okay, tell me more. Which, this episode is coming out on Valentine's Day, so it's very appropriate. Ooh. Um, (laughs) Valentine's Day is coming up, and the last thing you probably want to think about is your ex. Certain Burger King locations are letting you trade those not-so-romantic memories for a delicious burger. This Valentine's Day, select Burger King locations in New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Boston will have, quote, breakup boxes. Uh, which are, for some reason, also themed after that new Harley Quinn movie, Birds of Prey, starring Margot Robbie. I don't know why <laughs> that's... Oh, I guess, like, part okay. of it is that she broke up with Joker in Suicide Squad or something, or oh, after it, or I don't know. I never saw I never saw, saw that. either, or, so or I heard the new one one's really does. good, though. Okay. Anyway, if you bring a printed photo of your ex and stuff it inside one of these breakup boxes, you'll receive a free Whopper. Um... And they point that point out that if you can't handle tracking down a photo of your ex, if you're in New York City, you can also bring in letters, stuffed animals, or a piece of clothing to claim your burger. <laughs> and I don't know why it's just the New York City location. They're the only ones that can have space for stuffed animals, I guess. Um, and if you don't live near one of the breakup boxes, which most people don't, um, or your ex is, this is their words, not mine, your ex is just far too hideous to be seen by any Burger King employee. Oh. Burger King is also launching an in-app quiz with five questions. If you answer four of them correctly, you can get a $3 Whopper coupon. What? It's the weirdest. This is such, it's a, such a weird promotion. Yeah, it's I'm a sorry. very weird promotion. It's so weird. But I just wanted, I really wanted to have something for Valentine's Day this, this year. No, that's um, great. Thank you for finding a Valentine's uh, Day themed thing because none of my uh, are themed that way. Yeah, I, feel, <sighs> I wish I wish it was available in more locations. That's the only thing. Also, could you just bring in a picture like, of somebody? Just, yeah, I was <laughs> I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say that. I would if that were near me, I would just bring in a random photo yeah. of someone. Yeah, it's like, oh man, they really broke my heart. Yeah, like, <laughs> just, just stop it in there. Give me my free burger, give please. Burger. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thank you. Okay, my next story is space news. This is from CNN. And the headline is, Mysterious radio signal from space is repeating every 16 days. Aliens? Probably. We don't know. Yay! We found Uh, them. Mysterious radio signals from space have been known to repeat, but for the first time, researchers have noticed a pattern in a series of bursts coming from a single source half a billion light years from the Earth. Okay, so they're pretty far. All right. And we don't know what it is. Uh Uh-huh. We just know it's half a billion light years from Earth. Okay. Fast radio bursts, or 
FRBs for short, are millisecond-long bursts of radio waves in space. Individual bursts emit once and don't repeat, but repeating fast radio bursts are known to send out short, energetic radio waves multiple times. And usually when they repeat, it's sporadic or in a cluster, according to previous observations. But between September 16th, 2018 and October 30th of 2019, researchers with the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment Fast Radio Burst Project Collaboration (laughs) detected a pattern in bursts occurring every 16.35 days, like consistently. Okay. And the signal is called... Are you ready for the name of the signal? I'm, I don't know. It's, if it, is it anything like the name of the organization yes. or whatever that was? It's FRB180916.J0158 plus 65. That's the name of the signal. Great. <laughs> Catchy. To the point. We'll all remember it. Um, yeah, and that's, that's everything they know. So they just like published that their findings. It's some group that like monitors radio signals from space, and they publish now that, like, oh, we actually found one that repeats consistently in a pattern that is different from all other radio signals we've observed. Okay. So you said it's half a billion light years away. Yes. Does that mean that it could be coming from like half a billion years in the past or future? Is that how that works? I don't remember how that works. Yes. If the waves are traveling at the speed of light. Uh-huh. Which then they wouldn't be because it's... They'd be... their radio frequency, so they're probably... the radio waves? Are they traveling... Uh, slower than light, then? I would assume slower. Okay, if it's slower, then that know. means it's even long. If it's slower, that means that it took it, them more than half a billion years to get to here. To reach us. Therefore, if it was aliens, they're long gone by yeah. now. <laughs> that entire so, civilization has risen and fallen. Yeah. 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 Space huh. is cool. But... Yeah. Uh, and it could just be nothing. It could life. just be a normal celestial phenomenon. Could but we don't ali- know. I mean, I hope it's an alien dance party that happens every 16.35 days. <laughs> yes. That would be the ideal situation. My next story is random local news. This is from Cleveland19.com, but don't be fooled. It's not local Cleveland news. <laughs> Oh, what? Okay. Uh, the headline is, Blighted Building Revealed to be Log Cabin from the 1700s. Oh, I think I actually um, might have seen something about this. Yeah. But I, I, didn't, I don't know the details. It's, yeah, this, it sounds fascinating. Um, this is on a nondescript street corner in Washingtonsville, PA, which is, let's calm down with okay. that name, um, <laughs> sits a building that is much, much older than it looks. It's a centuries-old log cabin hidden under layers of more modern construction and siding. So wow. basically they like continued to build over the structure of it, but it was actually like this ancient log cabin. Well, not ancient, but ancient by American standards log cabin. Huh. Um, a local official estimates that it dates to the 1700s. The discovery came about as a result of the town cracking down on blighted properties. Um, the building was a former bar and had been condemned. A contractor was tearing it down when he uncovered the hidden piece of history. Um, according to Washingtonville Council President Frank Dombrowski, said, uh, he said it's uh, very much salvageable, um, and the contractor couldn't believe it himself, what we've uncovered here, and that it's very much worth saving. So 
Local officials want to preserve the cabin and move it to a different location. They say it will have to be carefully taken down by hand and put back together somewhere else, but for now it will stay in its current location. But they're going to dismantle it? Mm-hmm. I think they do that sometimes with historical buildings when they want to like move them from one site to another. Oh. Because it's easier than moving it in like one big chunk, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess how would they move it without taking it apart? Right. I just feel like if you take it apart, doesn't that like compromise the integrity of the the point of the right, structure? Right, like how they actually like connected all the pieces together yeah. and that kind of thing. Maybe they'll pay, like take the walls like a wall at a time apart, and like not individual oh, logs maybe. or something. Yeah, because I'm like, if they dismantle it into the logs, like right, it's like well, now you, you just, just got, destroyed it. You have the pieces of a log cabin. <laughs> you just got some old wood. Yeah, this is a picture of it um, in its half uh, removed state. So wow! Can, so you can see like a mix of siding and also um, the the log cabin. That's cool. The logs. Yeah. Like, and who would have thought? Just <laughs> now. <laughs> They just have to go through that neighborhood and tear apart every other house. And yeah. see. <laughs> How many of those houses or those buildings have that oh, underneath not this the one. siding, right? <laughs> no, not this one. Well, I'm really glad someone was like, oh, this seems like it's actually important. Let's stop the destruction. Right, <laughs> instead of just continuing to destroy it. wonder how many times right. that's happened. <laughs> we'll never know. Okay, my next story is more science news. This is from Engadget.com, and the headline is, Rain may soon be an effective source of renewable energy. Okay. So, in the past, there have been numerous attempts to generate electricity using rain, but this may be one of the most effective solutions yet. Researchers have developed a generator that uses a field effect transistor style structure. Oh, goodness. Which I don't even really know (laughs) what that means, so... I apologize Sorry. about the jargon. Sorry if you just became disengaged. <laughs> Re-engage now. A generator. Okay. To instantly produce a surprisingly high voltage from water drops. A single drop um, using their system can muster 140 volts, which is enough power to briefly light up 100 small LED bulbs. Wow. From one raindrop. That sounds like a lot for, yeah, one raindrop. Mm-hmm. Turn, usually there's a bunch of those when it rains. Yeah. So, um... Basically, um, there's still work to be done to translate. Like, it's, it's just in a prototype situation right now. Mm. Um, so it's not really in, like, a practical product form yet. But um, there's a lot of potential uses for this technology, obviously. Uh, so they're, you know, thinking, like, they could apply this to surfaces where rain will hit, like, rooftops and stuff. Like, it's very similar to solar panels, honestly. Right. Um, and then this article even said it could be used to power connected devices that regularly get wet, like umbrellas and water bottles. And I was like, why do, why do we need power? to power those? <laughs> why do we need to power the water bottle? Well, the first thing I thought of when you mentioned like powering so many like little LED light bulbs is just like, I feel like you could do signage for buildings and things. Yeah. Just like have a battery attached to it that's powered by one of these things that could be its own mm-hmm. self-contained thing. Yeah. And it would just, like, assuming you get enough rain, it would just power itself. Yeah, totally. And I could see this being a nice, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, companion to solar panel Oh, yeah, like a for complimentary like, source. Like, yeah. when it's raining, so maybe you get this. When exactly. it's not, Like, if you, you live sun. in a climate where it's always sunny, I mean, obviously the, the, the solar panels would make more sense, but if you live someplace like maybe Cleveland, where it's yeah. like, 
Oh, it's either or like Seattle, where I think they're just known for almost always being. Or wet. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you have like, a lot more of one or the other, you mm-hmm. could like people there would could maybe use that solution instead of the other one. Right. So you can still have some type of like green energy source option that isn't only solar panels. Or use both. Or use both. Yeah. My next story is animal news. <laughs> This is from CNN, and I don't know if there's ever been a headline more finely crafted for this podcast. A man thought someone left a box of puppies on his lawn. Nope, they were bear cubs. (laughs) We, oh my God, we had one story once about someone that thought a bear cub was a dog. Uh Uh-huh. That was just the one time, right? Yep, and now we have somebody who thought a whole box of of bear cubs was a bunch of puppies. Uh... (laughs) Wow. Also, can we just appreciate the construction of that headline? Yeah, it's very good. I, you're right. It was it's, so perfect. It's 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 just beautiful. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. They were bear, bear cubs. Yep. Um, anyway, a man came home to see a box of puppies that someone had left on his lawn. He called police to report the cute surprise, but when deputies took a look inside, they realized the puppies weren't dogs after all. They were bear cubs. <laughs> so the first sentence of the story basically just reiterates what the headline already told you, but... Um, Camden County Sheriff Kevin Jones told CNN, it's not uncommon to find black bears in the county, uh, but to find bear cubs in a cardboard box in your property wrapped up in sweatshirts to keep them warm, yeah, that's pretty strange. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. Uh, The North Carolina Sheriff's Office explained that they had responded to a man's call last month, so this happened a little bit ago, ago, um, who told them that someone left the puppies outside his house. The man explained he was gone for just a short amount of time, and the animals were there when he returned. So in some short amount of time, somebody managed to drop off some bear cubs in his, in his lawn. The cubs were taken by the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission and will be released back into the wild when they are older. The Wildlife Commission will also investigate where the cubs originated because that would probably be good if they could return them to where they came from. And also kind of, also, it'd be nice who, to know who's dropping off boxes of bear cubs. Yeah, how does a person just get a bunch of bear cubs like that seems yeah something like something's wrong very strange there. um sheriff jones also pointed out bears are very protective of their cubs which we've established multiple times on this podcast uh <laughs> if she had tracked those cubs by their scent to his residence and he was there this could have ended up very differently <laughs> so thanks kevin again for that story but yeah nope they were bear cubs. Like, what happened to the mama bear? I don't know. I hope not nothing bad. That's like that's my concern is that the person who dropped them off like did something to the mom or, or hopefully just found them. Yeah, that's that's my hope. I hope it's it's a positive thing and they just yeah. didn't want to. Take they didn't care know of what them. to. They didn't know what to do. Yeah, and so they just put them somewhere else. So I guess if you're this person and you ever come across bear cubs again, take them to this North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission. That's the place. And there's probably something similar. Honestly, if you call the police, I'm sure they could direct you to the right place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, don't just leave them on some some guy's lawn. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the right course of action. (laughs) All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just reported today and we read them to you on the fly. Jargon, 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 jargon. Ready, set, Go! go! Okay, I found something on Popular Mechanics, and actually this isn't 
exactly from today, but it's like a social media viral thing this week. So okay. I just wanted to talk about it. It counts. Um, basically, some scientists uh, in Antarctica released this video of a chunk of ice falling down a hole that um, is 450 feet down. And they recorded the sound that the ice made falling down the hole. Uh-huh. And that is what is going viral. Okay. So I thought it could be fun to play that uh-huh. into the microphone. <laughs> All right. What on earth? Right? Why is it doing that? Why is it science? Making... <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it Why sounds it like a cartoon. Like, yeah, like a cartoon gunshot, like <laughs> yeah. ricocheting yeah. off of something. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Is that where they got that? It's, sound it's from? the Doppler effect. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, it's it's um it's the Doppler effect. That is so. Wild. It's some weird thing of the Doppler effect. So the hole is about. Oh my gosh! I don't know how big is my hands right now, Anthony. <laughs> um, it's as big like as a, like a large orange, a really large orange, a bigger like a <laughs> like a grapefruit, small coconut. Maybe. <laughs> so imagine the circumference of like a maybe like a grapefruit, maybe or a like, little bit bigger, like a head of lettuce when you've peeled off several layers. Yeah, I'm not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is the circumference An of an infant's head, and it's 450 feet down. So it's like a really, really long solid ice uh-huh so it's like a tube. tube yeah of solid ice okay and and apparently that is the sound of the, the doppler <laughs> like when the thing goes down it starts hitting the sides and it's like right it's like compound like they there's diagrams and all these things like compounding the sound and for some reason it makes it sound like that i don't exa- it doesn't really it make doesn't sense to me it doesn't sound real it's so i know weird. it sounds like a cartoon it's so funny but yeah you can um I mean, obviously, we'll have the, the link so you can right. go and listen to it yourself. But mm-hmm. that has been going around social media as just like a fun, cool I'm going to make that my thing. ringtone. That's really fun. That's not exactly. And then when people ask like. you about it, you can be like, it's the sound of ice falling down a 450-foot borehole in Antarctica. And by that point, they will have walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's too much jargon. So Feet? <laughs> I found this on USA Today. Uh, Gerber looks for its new spokes baby. Here's Whoa. how to enter your child in the national context. <laughs> oh man! Are you? Do you want your baby to be famous? Uh, I don't have a baby, but yeah. I, I mean, I was asking the the, the I know general you were, but you. I was just responding as it's an not. audience member. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Childhood Nutrition Company. Recently announced the launch of its 10th annual photo search to find its national spokes baby. Uh, parents can submit photos and videos of their little ones up to four years old for a chance at their child reigning as Gerber's 2020 ambassador. A grand prize of $25,000 will be wow. included. So that's a pretty good uh, uh, reason to do it. Um, Bill, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's spelled party. K-A, but I think it's probably pronounced like Partica. Okay. Um, but Bill Party, uh, Gerber's president and CEO, said, as we celebrate our 10th anniversary of photo search, we're extremely proud to look back at all, on all of the babies that we've celebrated and to continue Gerber's longstanding tradi- uh, heritage of recognizing that every baby is a Gerber baby. Apparently. I, I just, 
I don't know why, but the phrase every baby is a Gerber baby just makes me uncomfortable for some reason, but I can't quite put my finger on why. Yeah. Well, it means nothing. So <laughs> there's a, that's a yeah, start. Maybe, maybe it's like, cause, cause I don't know what it means. Maybe that's why. Uh, uh, judges will, this is the weirdest part of this to me. Uh, oh. Judges will choose the next Gerber baby based on the following criteria. Oh God. Okay. Visual <laughs> appeal. Okay. Expressiveness. And consistency with Gerber's heritage. What, what does that mean? And it's anything for baby mission. Like, how do you convey that with a photo? <laughs> well, yeah, is this off of a, just a picture or like a also, video? Or? who's judging babies on their visual appeal? That's horrible. <laughs> They're babies. Yeah, this whole thing is like, I don't know, just... It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, there's nothing. That's nothing good coming out of this. Uh, the Wait. contest. I mean, other than the twenty five thousand dollars grand prize, which is pretty nice. Uh, the photo search ends on February twenty first, and you can enter at photosearch.gerber.com. Does that ha- do you know if that has further um, clarification on the Gerber life mission uh, qualification or whatever that was? Let's click through and find out. This is breaking news after all, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. No, they don't. Where are the instructions? <laughs> like, I don't know where they found these guidelines because <laughs> I don't see them on the site. The, the, they made up the guidelines. <laughs> they just want to judge babies based on their visual appeal. <laughs> they just, they're just guessing. The babies will be judged on their visual appearance. Um, that's kind of terrible. Right above the photo like submitting section, it says, time to bring out your inner paparazzi. We want to see your baby strut their stuff and show their personality. What? It's a baby. <laughs> a lot of them can't even oh. walk, much less strut. Whether they're dancing, playing, or chowing down, upload your favorite what? photos and videos. Here. Photos and video. Oh, what? Why? One. Why do all of these verbs make it sound like they're talking about like a bird or something, like an <laughs> like an animal, like a dog? I don't know why. Like it's chowing like, down. Like oh, it's, a very... it's chowing down. It's strutting around. It's like that's a baby. Like oh man, a lot of and they have a, they have a map that you can see how many people have entered from your state. So does that matter? No, I don't. Like are they think picking so. finalists from each state or something? Alaska, Hawaii, get in there. You're you're run, you're way behind. <laughs> <laughs> the Dakotas as well, and it looks like maybe I think that's Wyoming. I don't know. How's Ohio doing? We've got a lot we're, of submissions. We're, we've got seven hundred or one or above. We're in that top category. Wow, so good job, Ohio, objectifying your babies. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible sounding. Visual appeal is the most yeah. clinical way of like, describing like, what, oh, like a big oh your baby yeah, has a high so. visual appeal. <laughs> How to, symmetrical is paint, your baby's face? I want face. to paint your baby. <laughs> I want to feed your baby, Gerber. It's just like, what Ugh, is this? Ugh. Weird. Okay, well, on that note, <laughs> that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.